I'm happy to share this week's show sponsor, Cubicle to CEO, is one of my new favorite podcasts. Cubicle to CEO, led by Ellen Yin, is a mentorship-focused media company on a mission to make mentorship accessible to the masses so all women everywhere can pursue what's possible. Love that. In corporate America, Leadership Mentor helped me to quickly develop ways to level up my skill set for an upcoming promotion, so I am a mentorship believer. You know I started a personal brand and began podcasting last year. So I'm sharing this info about Cubicle to CEO with you because I only wish I had known back then about Ellen's weekly show and mentorship programs to guide and encourage me in those early kind of rough days. Her case studies, for example, are both inspirational and actionable. I recently listened to episode 143, which goes into the details of how the fabulous Dr. Tarika Barrett, the CEO of Girls Who Code, recently pivoted during the global pandemic and achieved enrollment increases from 1,600 to 5,000 students. Want to use the best income growth strategies from top entrepreneurs and CEOs, including Ellen herself? You can binge listen to past income reports on Cubicle to CEO today, plus receive free access to your first 10K month masterclass and a bonus workbook by going to our special link, zen.ai slash curious CEO. That's zen, Z-E-N dot A-I slash curious CEO. Welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. In this episode, my guest is my colleague, Craig Antonucci, Chief Experience Officer at Autocar Trucks. Hi, Craig. So happy to have you on the podcast. I am so happy to be here, and it's so good to see you again, Denise. Really? it's It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Just a couple. Yeah. Well, let's start with you sharing a little bit about yourself. Uh Bring me up to date. So, yeah. So if you remember way back when we met via SOCAP, back when I worked for a company called BPA Quality, gosh, almost a decade ago, I want to say, at one of the events in the Philadelphia area, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, And since then, in the last year, uh, I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and I started work with a company called Autocar Trucks. And we're a manufacturer of uh, vocational vehicles, so heavy-duty stuff like refuse trucks, dump trucks, uh, cement trucks, things of that, you know, all the hard jobs. Um, and we're a custom builder of those vehicles and the only direct-to-consumer brand within our industry. So we compete against the likes of like Mac and Peterbilt and International. And uh, they all go through a dealer network, but we, we're direct. So if you need to buy or you need help, you, you contact us directly, which means why I'm here is because we compete directly on the customer experience. So, um, I joined Autocar to help design and deliver the next iteration of our customer experience. And you know, they looked at everything that you know, I did at BPA Quality and previous parts of my career and said, hey, Craig, come, come deliver this customer experience like we want it. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, well, they're smart people to tell you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I like what they're doing. You know, it sounds like what they're bringing to the to the world is really cool and interesting. I'm just wondering, 
why the move from say the vendor side or the BPO side, right? I think you were, you were coming from BPO to yeah. the client side. Why that, why that move? Wow. So it wasn't anticipated. That's for sure. Um, when they, they actually recruited me, um, there was actually a position in Miami, Florida. So I have twin daughters that went to the university of Miami and I thought it would have been neat to have been in Miami for the last year of, of their school. Um, so I interviewed for that position, but then when I finally met the CEO, he's like, yeah, you know what? You're not good for this role in Miami, but I have this one in Alabama for you. And I was like, oh, Alabama. And you know, all, everything goes through your head about every stereotype there is about Alabama. But then I got to Birmingham and really great town, really fantastic town, really great community. Um, I actually call it like a little Brooklyn with nice people. And that's not an insult to people in Brooklyn, but you know, the whole dynamic of North and South kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody here is, you know, the, the Southern hospitality is, is over the top. The food scene's fantastic. So I fell in love with the town yeah. um, and took the position here. And, uh, you know, it was a difficult decision for sure, because moving from New Jersey to Alabama, that was a big culture change, um, but it's worked out so far. So, uh, you know, love it here. Uh, it's been a good decision. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed working with the people in my past. And I really enjoy working with the people that I'm working with right now. Yeah, good for you. And I think if I remember from the pre-chat, you're kind of going a little full circle. Because um, really going back, you had, work in, you had worked in industrial products of some nature, right? So it wasn't like yeah. this. I don't yeah. know if I'm capturing that right. No, nope, you are. Yeah. So out of graduate school, my first job was for a company called Vermont American. We were a manufacturer of drill bits and router bits. And I was the yeah. operation and quality manager there. So right. you spend 20-ish years out of that. And then all of a sudden, full circle, here I am. I'm yeah. mixing production and manufacturing with customer experience. Yeah. It's almost as if the two points were trying to find their way together all along. And they finally did. They did. Like, <laughs> a, like a story. Hopefully a fairy tale ending, right? Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I'm here to capture it all on film. Amen. <laughs> you had mentioned D to C. So, you know, I'm familiar with the, actually it's not, I'm more familiar with a B to C, right? Direct right. to uh, business to consumer in CPG packaging and things like that. So, um, and this model, it sounds unique. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Um um, I don't think we were planning to talk about this, but no, it's actually, it's good that you brought that up because okay. it is, it is unique. And there, tell me more parts. about that and yeah, how you leverage, maybe you can weave in there, um, being, a, you know, friends with us CPGers and maybe how that's influencing things or we'll stick yeah. one thing at a time. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. So we are direct to consumer, but most of our consumers are businesses or companies. But we have a lot of customers within that. So depending on if it's a municipality, if it's a, uh, you know, a small business owner who has two or three dump trucks or something along those lines, um, we have to navigate that entire environment a little bit differently for each one. So we have to deliver a customized experience, but consistent at the same time. Um, and, and in that, we have the people who buy the vehicles. So the business owners, the, the, the buying managers, we have the people that run the fleets. So the maintenance managers, the quality managers, the dispatchers, then we have the drivers themselves. So we have to look at their experience. And then there's the whole repair and ordering parts and getting help and all that support structure that we have to build around them. And, and there's a lot of complexity in it. 
um, that we have to make sure we understand who we're talking to. Now, the connection to our past and where we connection is obviously there was a lot of consumer products that we mingled with in SoCap and everything that we did. And I always loved how all of the brands that we worked with humanized their brand in the customer experience. So not only were you, you know, eating or using that product, but it became a part of that customer's life um, and made them brand loyal or what we call raving fans. We want our customers to become raving fans of our product. And um, so when I joined Autocar, one of the first things we sat down and said, you know what? People who are using our products and services typically are going to work and they're using technology, they're getting service, they're getting help unlike anything else in their life. Um, and they go home and then they use regular products and services. So whether it's their phone or the food that they're buying or the grocery store, or the restaurant. So there's this, there was this gap in between everything that I know how to deal with as a customer, as a human being versus when I go to work. So what we're trying to build in is more of that humanized connection of where the tools that we give our customers, the ways to contact us, how we treat them, how we talk to them is a little more what they're used to in their normal life. So they, they don't have that, that gap between the two. And I really drew a, a lot of that from our experiences way back with all the consumer packaging, the consumer groups and things of that nature. Very cool. Very cool. Can, can you share with us some of the specifics? I know you've only been there a year. Um, <clears throat> like what were some of your approaches to success? Um, I know you had mentioned employee experience had been a, a, a focus of yours. Can you take us through maybe a problem you were trying to solve there or in a special approach or give us a little detail? Yeah. So Thanks. interestingly enough, I was just reading a book by Mark Manson um, Which one? this week. Um, it's, well, it's got a lot of swear words in it. So I'll let the audience figure out. It wasn't his first book, but it was his second book. Okay. But uh, it was about hope um, and how hope is a fleeting thing. And there was a part in the book, it was really a cool premise where some philosopher said, what if we took away all of the pain and badness in the world? What would happen to humanity? And the, the simple truth was, is that humans tend to compare everything against one another. So even if everything was good, we'd still rank everything that was good from best to worst. And all of a sudden, what was now good is now the worst. So the, the reason I mention that is because it really applies to what we're doing, both from an employee experience and a customer experience standpoint, is that we're looking at the things that our customers and our employees look at as the such terrible things or the things that are difficult to use. The customer effort, you know, big word in our industry, customer effort, and reducing those, making it easier. So, for instance, a warranty claim. Warranty is a big deal in our industry because... Uh, we have the warranty on the vehicle itself, but then we have thousands of parts on that vehicle that have different levels of warranty. And on the surface, keeping track of that, submitting a warranty claim, um, following up on a warranty claim, getting the repair, finding out where the part is, getting a technician to do it, finally getting paid for it, because sometimes we let our customers do the work themselves and we'll pay them for the labor on the warranty claims, which is really unique in our industry. But the process itself is so complex and so difficult. Yeah. And the problem that we had sitting in front of us was the complexity was sitting on both sides of the equation, both on our employee experience and our customer experience. So the first area that we're attacking is how do we make that warranty process on the customer side look pretty seamless? So um, I, I don't know, a lot of our you know, listeners may have Geico. Geico, great example. Their app is fantastic. In fact, I talked to the guy that invented that app 
uh, and picked his brain on some things. And they really have broken it down into the simple pieces of what's important to the customer when you have trouble with a vehicle, when you've had an accident, when you've had a fender bender or anything like that. Simple menu, simple uh, choices, simple ways to choose where to go and how to get it done. And then they do all the work in the background. So that's our first step. And then the other step is really simplifying the employee experience on the other side to where we're taking the pressure off of our employees and our team members to make too many judgment call decisions. We want to give them better guidelines, better tools to understand what it is they're looking like so they can focus on the interaction with the customer as opposed to looking into the details of the warranty claim and how much this is and how much that is. And, oh, do we really need to draw a hard line on this customer or do we need to pay that? And, and we were, we're trying to simplify all that so that it's very straightforward. It's very easy for our people to um, to fix because if you listened to both sides of the equation, both of them say, oh, that's a pain in the butt to get a warranty claim because it's so complex. So, you know, let's, let's fix that. Um, you know, that's an example of where we're starting to, to improve that experience. So that takes some of the pain away, you know, the pain point, obviously from the customer and um, helps out the, uh, the employee. Are, are you doing that with the employee? Um, through special training on, you know, what, what to do when, or is it a KB or a knowledge base that you're beefing up? Are you able to share or is that top secret? Yeah, no, no, no. We just didn't, we just invested in uh, a platform um, that we're building out. Um, Can't, can't talk about it just yet. Um, I don't know if it qualifies as top secret, but we'll leave it there. It's a, it's a good platform. It's a really good platform. um, It'll help us deliver our service. Uh, And there's a lot of more automation built into it. So that experience that I described with Geico, where we give simple choices to our customers and simple ways of, for them to start a process of a claim and get information and know where they stand and have that transparency, we're going to be able to deliver that to them. Um, same thing on our employee side. We're going to not, we don't have to rely on them remembering what to do next. We're going to build those processes in there for them. And part of that is what you said, knowledge bases. Part of that is, creating triggers for their activity, making sure they know what they're supposed to be focused in on today. So they're not sitting there and looking at a pile of claims and going, oh no, holy crap, which one do I work on right now? It's like, no, this is the one you need to work on right now. This is yeah. this is the priority. So, you know, fixing that, that part of the experience for them. Just a side question here. Does your agent, I'm not sure what you call your gang. Specialists. We call specialists. them specialists. Yeah. Are, they, are they taking the, you know, thinking about your, the customer journey for your clients, your customers, are they helping them from the point A all the way through a warranty claim? Or do you have different people that are specializing in different parts of that journey? So one point of contact in that process, but lots of people in the background. Yeah. And it's unique. It's unique on our our industry where that that happens. Um, You know, a lot of our customers, they have to go through dealer networks to manage that process. But we work directly with the consumer and the customer and the end user to make sure that their claim or their support, you know, we, we support our trucks for the lifetime of the truck. So we, we actually get calls for trucks that are 40 years old um, and we help them. So the complexity of that is pretty significant. So we're trying to simplify, you know, the mass, the mass bit of it and um, help our customers. Yeah. And I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that these are custom built. So when I think of a consumer package, good, you know, it's, it's pretty much mass produced for the most part, different flavors yeah. and varieties. Um, but I mean, we're talking, uh, could you just order one truck customer? 
Yeah, you okay, could. But it's, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So now, okay. Let me kind of explain what custom means to us. So okay. we have four basic models of our vehicle, and then they're all designed specifically at the core for certain applications. So when I say an application, I mean uh, whether it's a refuse vehicle or a dump truck or something like that. Okay. And the, the, the reason the, for the, the, the job the truck's going to do. Okay. Yeah, d- right. definitely. And mm-hmm. so you know, let's just take a refuse truck, a trash truck, mm-hmm. and look at all the different iterations of what you have. So if you've seen them, you've seen them pick up from the front, from the side, from the back, open. Some are long, some are short. Um, some are in Arizona, have to deal with immense heat. Some are in the Northeast, and they have to deal with tighter spaces and colder weather. Mm-hmm. Um some have to drive farther distances in between places to pick up the trash. Yeah. Others have, you know, very quick. So there's, there's different things they want those trucks to do. So they want mm-hmm. bursts of speed or they want longevity. They want efficiency and fuel. Um, they want payload. They want to get as much mm-hmm. in there as possible. So that the chassis itself has to be designed in a way to handle both the weight of everything that's in there okay. and the conditions that it's going to be in. So this means wheelbases are going to be moved back and forth, harnesses, all those electrical wires mm-hmm. are going to be in different lengths, um, weight distribution is going to be different, powertrains are going to be a little different. So all those little nuances based on the custom need of that particular customer can ask for. And then you're make you're doing the paste resistance of the the uh, you know really turning the customer experience upside down. So you're yeah, really- yeah. I mean that's going to be just like just like any. Any industry right now, I think customer experience is the battleground. Yeah, you know where in our industry, if you you know think about the people that we talked to ten years ago who were customer service leaders, often they were they were managing the contact center and it was like an operations type thing. But now it's really you know CX leaders they have a seat at the the executive table. They get to determine what um, it looks like when we deal with our customers all the way from before they're a customer to when they're not a customer anymore, and we have a lot of impact in what we're doing and how the customer ends up buying. I think I saw a stat from a, from a, um, from a, a, a car manufacturer the other day, someone I was talking to that said that their um, telematics, so the automated system that picks up fault codes and things like that, they said, that picks up what? what was that? Craig? Telematics. So telematics, so like the thing that picks up all the fault codes and tells you something wrong. Oh, with your okay. vehicle. oh yeah. It'll send a signal back to yeah. home base and they can figure it out. Um, but they said that 45% of the customers that use it, or excuse me, customers who use it are 45% more likely to buy their next vehicle of the same brand than not if they have a great experience in that telematics experience, which was significant. And that's really kind of where we, we lie. We know that once we have a customer in our world, you know, trucks, truck, these trucks, especially these trucks, you know, they break, you know, sometimes they break, they do heavy duty stuff. So what happens when they break? Do yeah. we, we get on the problem? Do we solve the problem? Do we get right. them parts? Do we get them up and running? You know, are we treating them like a human being throughout the whole experience? Are we treating them the way they want? Are we talking to them like they want? Are we giving them cool options of how to get help and service? If they want to do it themselves, do we give them those options and support it? I mean, there's just so many ways that we can excel here and, yeah. and we're, we're looking for cool ways to do that. Yeah, you're talking my language. I mean, I remember <laughs> there was... Somebody talked about, and I mean, this is going back now, um, a book or an article where they were saying a complaint is a gift. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that just sums it up. But not everybody was on board with that idea. And I'm going back 20 years because, you know, I've been doing this for 
per second or two. And, um, and it's exactly right. So grateful if you get somebody who has, you know, not something's gone away, gone awry, which one? Yes. Yeah. That one, that one. And then you have that opportunity to come in and, you know, do your thing and provide great experience. I think that just goes a long way. So, um, Anyway, That's so, so true. I, I will tell you, we have discussions all the time about the customers we don't hear from. Uh, We're like, what, what are they thinking out there? How can we find out why, why aren't they talking to us? We want yeah. them calling us or contacting us and interacting with us because at least then we know we could fix something. Yeah. You too. I thought that was just in yeah. uh, fast moving consumer goods. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Think how many times you get ticked off at a restaurant because it wasn't that good and you walk out without saying anything. Don't you think they really would want to know that? They would, yeah. they would. Maybe not the chef, but the the management. Yeah. No, I think that that a good a good restaurant, a good chef would want to know. Sure, definitely would love, would like to know. Oh my goodness, quite a bit to digest there. All new. This is all new to me. This 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 world, and I'm so happy for you. All right, Craig. So we're getting to the end of the podcast, sadly, and I want to the make crescendo. sure. <laughs> exactly a good word um do you have a volunteer organization that you'd like to give a shout out to yeah yeah sure so i used to uh participate in raise money for organization called blue cure um they were really popular in the philadelphia area but uh they raise money for research for prostate cancer okay great are they they're still happening oh yeah okay so it's bluecure.org perhaps I don't know the website, but it's called, if you Google Blue Cure, you'll yeah. see tons of information about it. Great. I had not heard of that one. Um, and Well, I haven't been in Philly for a while. But um, anyway, so also the other thing I wanted to ask you, are you still on board to stick around for the double secret bonus question? I love double secret bonus questions. Okay. So absolutely. Perfect. This is the place then. And thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday morning with me. Um, I really appreciate your time. Likewise. Glad to be here. Wondering how this podcast was recorded? Well, Zencaster is my secret, and it does much more than just record audio and video so I can get the best content to you. Zencaster's aptly named creator network, and it's the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators like me. Zencaster matches you with the best podcast so your budget gets to the right audience and can maximize your advertising campaign budget. Host-read ads, like what I'm doing here, are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique-to-them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai forward slash my curious colleague one. That's zen.ai forward slash my curious colleague. Colleague is C O L L E A G U E and then the number one. And fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.